Welcome again to the Arlington Baptist Podcast. I'm so glad that you're joining us today. As I sit in my office here, we are in a very important week for you and I as Christians. And if you're not a Christian, you're listening to the podcast, I'll explain why it's so important. Here in a few days, on the Lord's Day, as we know, is a special celebration that we as Christians come together to worship the Lord and celebrate His resurrection from the dead, commonly called Easter, uh, though that uh, title is not found in the Bible and has some pagan origins to it. I don't think we're going to avoid its use, so I uh, won't try to do that all the time. I tend to like to call it the Resurrection Day, but it is commonly called Easter, so that's how most people know it and refer to it. But here in a few days, we're going to be getting together with our church, and Christians all over the world will be getting together in uh, their churches and maybe individually and uh, celebrating the resurrection of our Lord, the greatest event that ever happened, the very capstone, the the very cornerstone of the Christian faith is the resurrection. And so I thought today, uh, being that we're just a few days away from uh, the special Easter celebration, that I'd bring a a lesson on uh, a related subject to uh, the resurrection, to the Easter celebration. But I want to uh, bring something that may be a little bit different uh, I'd like to talk about today something that is somewhat debated, and and I try not to purposely uh, jump into these debated and controversial subjects, but sometimes I think it's uh, necessary, and too often our churches and uh, and pastors uh, avoid some of these questions, and I think it's uh, it's a detriment. I think uh, Christians and, and even non-believers uh, like to know things and want to know what Christianity teaches. So I want to talk about something today that really involves more the crucifixion uh, than the resurrection. Uh, and I want to a- answer the question today, what day did Jesus die? What day did Jesus die? Now, I know I'm already jumping into uh, some deep weeds here uh, because so many uh, believe, uh, and it is, of course, the majority opinion that Jesus died on Friday. And we know, even as a public holiday, uh, schools are out this Friday. They call it Good Friday. And so I know I'm already uh, kind of behind the eight ball on my opinions here. And, and, and I'm going to be different than the mainstream, I know. But I'd at least uh, hope you'll give me uh, the, uh, the uh, time to try to prove my case to you in this podcast today of why I do not believe Jesus died on a Friday. But before I even get into the uh, details of that and try to answer that question, I thought I would ask this question because you're probably wondering it yourself. Does it even matter? Does it matter what day Jesus died? Well, uh, of course, uh, yes and no. It it, it does matter and it doesn't matter depending on how you look at it. Uh, I do not think that the day that Jesus died matters when it comes to the overall story. It doesn't matter what day Jesus died. We know he died. We know how he died. We know what followed his death. And so I do not believe that the day of the week that we choose to believe Jesus died should in any way alter or affect the gospel message. And as well, it should not affect our fellowship and and, uh, uh, belief as fellow believers and getting together and, and worshiping and talking about these things. I will tell you that I know and respect and love many great Christians, great men that I read and listen to and, and know personally that believe in a Good Friday crucifixion. And so I'm no in no way saying they are they're bad people, that I disagree with them as far as their motives or 
as far as their uh, integrity. Uh, good men can differ, okay? And good men do differ on uh, big issues. And this is uh, not as big of an issue as some others, I agree. But I do think it matters what day Jesus died simply for this reason. When you look in the accounts of the four Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you can see how detailed God is about the events themselves. Uh, if you know your Bible well, the Gospels well, uh, you'll admit that more of the text is set aside to the events of the last couple of weeks, especially the last week of Jesus' life on earth, than any other single event of his entire life on earth. And so, we by that very fact, tells us that God is is very interested. He is focused. He is he is showing us the importance of uh, the events leading up to and including the crucifixion, the burial, and of course the resurrection. So with that in mind, curiosity alone ought to lead us to want to form an opinion on this issue, and, and it really does. Most uh, all Christian leaders that, that you'll hear or read uh, will have an opinion on this, and as I admitted, uh, the Good Friday, Friday crucifixion is the majority opinion. But um, I want to state up front, and I'll repeat it at the end, but um, we are not to be swayed by majority opinion or by tradition, okay? Um, when I have investigated and done research and over the years and studied this and taught this, uh, I've looked into other people's opinion. I have to tell you, um, good men uh, write on this, and I've, I've read their, uh, their position and where they arrive at a Good Friday crucifixion. I'm not convinced. Um, I still believe ultimately the main reason people believe in a Good Friday crucifixion is not by what the Bible teaches only, but by tradition and majority opinion. Now, tradition and majority opinion can be valid if it lines up with the Bible. I'm not against everything that's traditional or that's maybe in the majority of mainstream Christianity. But if that's the only thing we have to really prove a case, then I think that case is pretty weak. I believe, and I'm going to try to prove it to you in this podcast, that if you go only by what the Bible says, you, first of all, cannot prove a Friday crucifixion. In fact, you will disprove it. And uh, that the only legitimate uh, day of the week to be verified by connecting the dots of Scripture, uh, by what only the New Testament Gospels tell us, that Jesus would have died on what we would refer to as a Wednesday on Wednesday afternoon. Well, I let the cat out of the bag what I believe about that. Now I'm going to try to uh, retrace my steps and go back and show you why. Now, as we get into it, before we get into some of the passages I'd like to read and, and discuss with you, there are two preliminary points that really are important to understand. You know, anytime you jump into a deep, deeper discussion, a debate of Scripture, a debate of doctrine, you need to have some boundaries. You need to have some preliminary uh, truths in your mind. And, and these are very important, and everyone would agree with these, okay? This is not where the debate is. I'm just leading into the debate with these two points. First of all, you have to understand that the Jewish people kept their days from sundown to sundown. What I mean is they didn't start a new day like we do at 12 midnight to the next 12 midnight. 
they went from the Genesis account of creation, where it says in the evening and the morning were the first day and the second day and the third day, that phrase, evening and the morning, the Jews took that literally. And so that's how they started and ended their days. So as soon as the sun set, that began a new day for the Jewish people. And that day didn't conclude until sunset the next, what we would call evening or late afternoon. And you need to keep that in mind because that's very important to what we're going to talk about, okay? Also, number two, and this is a really big one as well. Uh, we know that the seven feasts of Israel that God gave to the Jews, they're, they're the feasts of the Lord that he gave for the Jews to observe in the Old Testament. They were still keeping those in the days of Christ. We know that. And the event of the crucifixion, we know, and, and the events that transpire after it, the burial and the resurrection, <coughs> excuse me, all uh, are in line with these first feasts, especially the feast of the Passover, the greatest and the first feast of the Jews. It was observed on the 10th day of the first month of the Jewish uh, religious calendar. But then the feast called Unleavened Bread began right after uh, Passover. So really, uh, Passover was one day, but Unleavened Bread was a seven-day feast. And it began right after. So if you put those all together, Passover and Unleavened Bread, they kind of came together and often Passover uh, would, would be used or the title Unleavened Bread would cover the whole eight days. And then within that eight-day period, when, whenever the Sunday, which would be the first day of the week, came, uh, that would be the Feast of First Fruits. So you actually have three of the seven feasts of Israel incorporated into this great story of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Now, one thing I might add, I should have probably added already. Uh, you know this, but just in case it becomes a uh, becomes maybe an area of confusion, uh, there was no days given in the Scripture as far as how we keep days. No titles, I mean. There's not a Monday or Tuesday or Friday or Wednesday or Saturday or Sunday. We know. That was invented later. We got that from Roman keeping of time and Roman the Roman calendar and the naming of days and so on. So it took a long time for that actually uh, to uh, become the norm. So we can't look in the Bible and say, well, the Bible says Jesus died on this day because it says he died on Friday. It doesn't say that. There's nowhere in the scriptures that a certain day. All we do have in the scripture is things that say the day before or the Sabbath itself or the day after the Sabbath. Now, we do know that the, that the word Sabbath, taken from the account of creation way back from Genesis chapter 2, it refers to the idea of rest. God rested on the seventh day. According to the Jewish people, the seventh day, of course, the Sabbath was Saturday. We know that. We still do it today. Sunday's the first day of the week. Saturday's the last day of the week, the seventh day. So we have no debate over that. These things I'm discussing right now are, are uh, all accepted. No one could deny these. Now, one other point, though, that's going to be crucial as I get later into some text we'll read is that Although Passover was not a day of rest, because remember, you did things on Passover. The Jewish people uh, ate of the Passover lamb. They did things. Now, they had some preparation to get leaven out of their homes prior to the Passover. That's right. But on the Passover, they actually did do some work. They did something. They roasted the lamb. They came into their houses. They ate the bitter herbs and all the things. And later, they would add other traditions to that. But for the sake of our discussion the first day of unleavened bread, which, remember, began the day right after Passover, and it would have began at a sundown, 
was a strict Sabbath or a day that no work could be done. According to Leviticus 23.7, you can read that on your own. I'll not go back and quote that or, or read the text, but you'll see that the first day of unleavened bread was a special Sabbath. Because the word Sabbath does not mean Saturday. It simply means rest. It depends on when that Saturday fell. Now, that leads me into beginning our main points of the reasons why I hold to a Wednesday crucifixion and not a Friday crucifixion. I better start with the most important one, and then I'll work my way down. I think they all come together. You know, I, I use this illustration a lot, but it's worth repeating. Um, I can't pick or point to one verse or one passage alone to establish my beliefs in a Wednesday crucifixion and against a Friday crucifixion, but I'm connecting the dots. You know what I mean? You connect the dots on a page, and it gives you a full picture. And so I'm going to connect the dots with three or four uh, areas to, uh, in the podcast today to try to hope to get you to see a picture that I believe uh, teaches that Jesus could not have died on Friday, but had to have died on what we would call a Wednesday. And I'll get to that. Now, the first one is the most important one, and it's still one that I have never heard a good answer to from the side of the issue of those who believe in a good Friday, because there's no way to answer it without denying what it really says. So I'm going to use Jesus' words in Matthew 12, verses 39 and 40. The context here is the Pharisees, Jesus' opposition that hated Christ. They came to him in verse 38, and they said, Master, we would see a sign from thee. They were kind of wanting him to show show off, show him something. And I want you to get his answer, though, because he's going to use the prophet Jonah and the story of Jonah from the Old Testament as part of his response. He says in verse 39, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given to it, but the sign of the prophet Jonah. Jonas is in the King James. It's the same. It's, it's the word Jonah. It's the title named Jonah. For as Jonah was three days, I want you to notice how specific Jesus says this, for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Now, I want you to, first of all, at, at face value, understand what he's saying there. Three days and three nights. Do we believe that Jonah, the prophet, was literally in a whale's belly for three days and three nights? I do. The text in Jonah, in the book of Jonah, says he was. If we're to take that literally, if we're to take that as actual uh, event, as an actual event that happened, then we can't change what Jesus then compares his burial to. If Jesus said that Jonah was in the whale's belly for three days and three nights, how can we deny what he says, so shall the Son of Man? He uses himself in direct correlation or comparison to Jonah. So if we have to take Jonah literally in the whale's belly for three days and three nights, we have to take Christ as being three days and three nights and the phrase in the heart of the earth, we know means in the tomb, in the sepulcher, as the old King James translates it. Um, now, when he says three days and three nights, there's another passage that I could connect here that helps us understand something. In John 11, in verse 9, Jesus had referred to himself as the light of the world in that, in that passage. But he said something very interesting at the beginning of verse 9. He said this, he asked this question. Are there not 12 hours in the day? Let's just stop there and catch that. He said, are there not 12 hours in the day? Of course, it was a rhetorical question. He, he, he asked that as if we know, we should know it. Of course there is. 
And if there's 12 hours in the day, there has to be 12 hours in the night. We all know, everyone would accept that there's 24, hour, 24 hours in a day. Well, back to the passage in verse 40 of Matthew 12, if Jesus said he would be in the heart of the earth or in the tomb for three days and three nights, that's 36 hours for each. That equals 72 hours. So my first uh, critique of a Friday crucifixion would be that there is no way that Jesus could have died on a Friday. Remember, we know from the events that are clearly taught that he dies at 3 o'clock, that he is taken down from the cross, he is buried uh, by Joseph and, and another Pharisee friend, Nicodemus, and they have to get him into the tomb quickly before sundown. Because remember, that's the start of a new day. And remember what we said about that next day that follows uh, the uh, day of Passover? It's unleavened bread, and no work could be done on that day, okay? So that's the hurry. Well, if you go from Friday afternoon at 3 till Sunday morning when the women first come to the tomb for the wonderful event of witnessing the resurrection that his body's not there, the tomb is empty, you can't fit 72 hours into that. It's impossible. Now, I understand that the traditional church uh, belief by Catholicism and Protestantism and others uh, is saying that you only need a part of a day uh, to make a full day. I know they built a big case around, well, all you have to do is have part of a day. Well, let me just go back to our passage, okay? Verse 40, Jesus said he would be in the tomb three days and three nights. He didn't say part of a day, then a full day and part of another day, okay? So that alone is one of the greatest, I think, evidences, the greatest proofs that a Friday crucifixion is impossible. However, if we take that 72 hours and to the position I hold, it fits perfectly. I believe Jesus would have died on what we would say Wednesday afternoon. Now, remember, Wednesday afternoon uh, for us would really still be uh, or Wednesday, the day Wednesday would have started the night before on what we would call Tuesday night because their day started at sundown. So when I say he died on Wednesday afternoon, Wednesday literally would have started sundown the previous day, okay? That would have began Wednesday. So he dies at three o'clock. He is buried by, let's just say for sake of argument to keep the numbers easy, six o'clock, I'm not saying the sun necessarily was definitely down at 6 o'clock in Israel. Uh, this is in the spring. I don't know for sure, but close to it. Let's just for sake of argument say that they had about three hours, those two men, to bury Jesus' body. And they're in a hurry doing it. They don't even complete the process. That's why the women come on the morning of the resurrection not to uh, see a resurrection, but to complete the burial process. That's why they bring the spices. We'll get to that next. But... Uh, when Jesus dies on Wednesday afternoon and he's buried by sundown, which would begin Thursday. Now, we wouldn't call it Thursday today, but they did. Thursday, which would begin unleavened bread. If you have him buried by Thursday, you have all Thursday, all Friday, all Saturday, 72 hours, so that Jesus rose from the dead sometime after Saturday evening, which would be called to the Jews Sunday. Sunday literally began for the Jewish people on what we would call Saturday night. Whatever the sun set on Saturday night for us now, the Jews thought of that as the beginning of Sunday. Now we know Jesus rose sometime during the night because by the time the women come and the apostles later, that 
resurrection morning, he's already risen from the dead. And so that perfectly keeps us in line with a 72-hour burial to keep the symbolism of Jonah and Christ perfectly the same. Now, let's go to another point. If Jesus died on a Friday, I'm just going to present it like that, uh, let's, let's look at a verse in Mark 16. This is another, I think, great point to make. I lead up to it by saying this, none of the apostles, none of Jesus' disciples really knew and were ready for his death. It was a total shock. Even on the very night before he dies, he's in the upper room uh, instituting the first Lord's Supper. Judas goes out, betrays him, and they don't even know what Judas is doing. None of them expected this, expected what was going to happen. We do know Mary, in chapter 12 of John's gospel, uh, comes and anoints Jesus' feet and talks about his burial, but even she didn't know when that was going to happen. We know that the animosity and, and opposition to Christ was rising, and, and they knew that there were people uh, out to kill him, but they didn't know the time. Now, what I'm saying is this. When Jesus dies, and they have to get his body down off the cross, and uh, we know his mother Mary was there, Mary Magdalene, John the Apostle was there at the foot of the cross when he dies. By 3 o'clock in the afternoon, he dies. Um, we know that when they buried him, as I mentioned earlier, they did not complete the process. But now I want to read what we see that is said in Mark 16. <clears throat> to begin verse 1, it says, And when the Sabbath was passed, and that Sabbath, I will add this for detail, was the Saturday Sabbath, because we're on the Lord's Day, we're on Sunday. And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome had bought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. That little phrase really had caught my attention years ago, and I, and I began to investigate that. And here's the question. When did they have time to buy these spices? Had bought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. Now, wait a minute. Let me put, put this together for you with a Friday crucifixion first. If Jesus died on Friday afternoon, and we know after his death, the women are right there, and they're, they're weeping over his body and, and so forth. There's only a few hours left in time. Uh, we know the, that the men take him to, to bury him quickly, but when did they have time to buy these spices? Again, they weren't prepared for his death. They didn't even understand he was going to die the way he did. But if you have the Friday crucifixion, all you have is Saturday. Now, wait a minute. Saturday is the regular weekly Saturday Sabbath. They can't buy anything on Saturday. They can't buy spices to go and anoint him. And then by sundown, people uh, regularly did not go into marketplace, especially a couple of women, uh, to go buy things after dark. That was just unheard of. They didn't have the kind of street lights and, and neon lighting and city lights like we have where we can... You know, cities uh, never go to sleep here in, in the U.S., but back in that culture of biblical times, people, by the time dark came, they were in their homes. These women wouldn't have went out after dark to buy these spices. So here's my question. When did they have an opportunity for buying these spices to anoint his body, to finish the burial process, if Jesus died on a Friday? I say it's impossible. But now let me go back to the Wednesday crucifixion, which fits perfectly with the 72 hours I just mentioned, if Jesus died on a Wednesday, Thursday would have been a special Sabbath. It would have been what? It had been the first day of unleavened bread. So they couldn't have bought spices then. 
So they couldn't buy them on Thursday. They couldn't buy them on Saturday because we've already said Saturday was the regular weekly Sabbath where no work could be done. But you know what day they did have? They would have had a regular Friday. Friday would have been the day that these women, regular work could have been done. No special uh, restrictions even during the seven days of, of unleavened bread. They could have bought the spices on that Friday. And that's indeed when I think they did. Now, one other thing that's, I think, very important, and that is uh, that the very word Sabbath is often found in these texts about the, the day in which Jesus died and rose again. And when people see that, and I just kind of alluded to it, they naturally presume that that word Sabbath means the Saturday Sabbath. So, for instance, they will take verses like this in Mark fifteen forty two. It says this, and now when the even was come, this is right after he died, and he's going to be buried. This is a burial passage here. And now when the even was come, remember that's when a new day starts, because it was the preparation, that is the day before the Sabbath. Now, when people read that, they read about the Sabbath there, they think, well, that, that has to mean Saturday. So they jump to this conclusion, well, if it means, or if it says Sabbath, that means Joseph and, and Nicodemus must have buried him on Friday because it says the day before the Sabbath. But I'm going to prove to you that that word Sabbath does not mean Saturday. We already know the definition of the very word means rest, and it could refer to any special day that God restricted that no work could be done. And now John 19.31 needs to be added in because this is a very important verse. Here is John who gives us, remember, he's the last writer of the final gospel, writes later in time. He adds some detail that the others do not. And this detail is really fascinating. He's going to write about the burial. And he says this in John 9, 1931. The Jews, therefore, because it was the preparation. What was the preparation? Well, the preparation is leading to the Feast of Unleavened Bread that when it starts, Okay. Now, yeah, they had a preparation for getting the, the, the lambs ready and all the stuff for Passover, but now there's also preparation. You can't do work on that next day. So he says it was the preparation that the body should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day. Now, listen to this very crucial parenthetical statement, little parenthesis statement, where John really nails it for us to tell us what Sabbath day that really was. It was not just the regular weekly Saturday Sabbath, where people jump to the conclusion, well, that means he had to have died on Friday. John says, for that Sabbath day was an high day, a holy day, a special day. And we know exactly what he meant by that. It was the Feast of Unleavened Bread beginning on that day. And that's why the two men could not uh, uh, do a long process of burial. They did as best they could. They, they rushed his body to Joseph's tomb, which was, I believe, the garden tomb, very close by Golgotha, the place where Jesus died. And they did the best they could to get him wrapped in the, in the grave clothes and put a pouch over his head. But they couldn't finish the process. The burial the Jews would use was pretty, uh, pretty uh, extreme. It was, it was very intricate and complicated. They would preserve the body for a while by using these special ointments and aloes and, and uh, different things like that and myrrh and so forth. Uh, but the guys didn't have time to finish that. All they could do was probably clean up the body, wrap it in these cloth strips like a mummy, put a headpiece over it and lay it in Joseph's tomb, close the, put a rock over the door, 
and get back home before sundown because that next day was unleavened bread and no work could be done. Now, that tells me that John makes it clear that we do not have to be forced to believe that the word Sabbath denotes Saturday only and that it does not have to mean he died on Friday. Now, to end this, bring up a couple other points. What about the phrase that we see in uh, several of the Gospels where it says that Jesus died and would rise the third day? Okay, the third day. You'll see that phrase, and it is used a number of times. I, I, I don't disagree with that. Uh, for instance, I'll read from Mark 9.31. In Mark 9.31, it says... Here's Jesus' words. He's predicting his own death, burial, and resurrection. He says, The Son of Man is delivered into the hands of men, and they shall kill him. And after that he is killed, he shall rise the third day. Now, because several places do use this phrase, the third day, people who believe in a Friday crucifixion have jumped to the conclusion, see, it doesn't have to be three whole days. It's on the very third day, so we're including that third day. Well, Here's a big wrench into that possibility, and that is that several times in the text, the Bible says, after three days. Let me read this again. In Mark 8, verse 31, the writer Mark says this about Jesus teaching his upcoming death and resurrection, and he, verse 31 of Mark 8, and he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed, and notice now this phrase, and after three days rise again. Now, I find it interesting that that phrase is again used in the account of the burial in Matthew 27. Remember after Jesus dies, the Jewish leadership had heard him teach that he would rise from the dead. And that's why they went to Pilate and asked if they could have a guard stationed outside his tomb so that no disciple could come and steal his body and claim there was a resurrection. We know all that. The Bible's clear on what, what happened. But I want you to see what they claim Jesus must have said on many occasions because they're going to quote Jesus. In verse 63 of Matthew 27, here's the Jewish leaders, they're speaking to Pilate, and they said to Pilate, Sir, we remember that that deceiver, what a name, how wicked, how blasphemous. They would call our Lord a deceiver, but this is how they thought of him. But I want you to hear what they say. We'll just get past that deceiver statement, just see what they say. That deceiver said while he was yet alive, after three days I will rise again. They're quoting Jesus. Now, to me, that's pretty amazing because here are these guys, they, they weren't listening to every word. They weren't interested uh, other than to try to trip him up at his words. They weren't following every message he preached. But he must have preached this enough that when these guys are talking to, to Pilate, they said, you know, he'd said he's going to rise after three days. Now, here's my point. Why am I getting in all this? Because if people are going to try to make a big case about the phrase, the third day, well, they're going to have a big problem here. Are they gonna, uh, do you think these things contradict? The Bible never contradicts itself. So the phrase, the third day and after three, three days, do not contradict. If I go back to what Jesus said, 72 hours he has to be in the tomb, it'd be after three days, okay? 
So the very fact that these statements after or the phrase the third day do not contradict, the after has to take precedence because it's the only phrase that tells you a time frame. Simply the third day or after three days cannot contradict. And so I believe indeed that Jesus did rise after the third day, after three days, as we see several times in the text, and he must have spoken on numerous occasions or his own enemies, those who hated him, would not have been quoting him with that kind of detail. Well, I've tried to make my case. I hope that this has helped you in some way. Uh, remember, uh, I do not bring this up to in any way uh, leave people with the impression I'm against all people who believe in, in Good Friday. Uh, they're not my enemies. I have some great friends, people I love in the Lord. We, we don't part fellowship over this. I just think it is an interesting point worthy of our curiosity and our discussion. And I like to try to be as biblically based as I can. I'm, I'm concerned that when I look into and try to investigate the Good Friday tradition, that's all I think it is, is a tradition. We know the Bible doesn't clearly say Good Friday, and it doesn't teach Friday, so why has it become this big overblown? It's kind of like how Christmas has become all the Santa Claus and Easter's become all the, the Easter bunnies and the egg hunts and all that. I'm concerned about that. I think we need to go back to the Bible only. It has to be our rule of faith and practice. And, and other things can help and they can, they can uh, confirm and they can build our case. But hey, I want to go to the scriptures only. When I look at the Bible only, I do not see a Friday crucifixion. And as I connect the dots, as I've tried to do with you today, I think a Wednesday crucifixion is much more tenable from what the Bible says. Now, I leave you with this. Remember, uh, we love all brethren, all men and women, all those who are saved, all our brothers and sisters in Christ, whether they believe in a Friday, in a Friday crucifixion or a Wednesday or a Thursday, there's various views. I'm not the only one that believes in a Wednesday crucifixion, by the way. There are many good men that I know and read that do agree with me on that. But I'll leave it at that. I hope that's been interesting to you. I hope maybe it'll help you. I want you to really enjoy this Lord's Day uh, and, and celebrate with your church. Be in church Sunday. You know, sometimes Christmas and Easter are the only times we see people in church. And that could be something I make a negative about it, but I'm not going to make a negative. I'm thankful that people come. We're going to try to give them the gospel and welcome them and, and be glad they're there and celebrate with them. So get in church, be in a good church Sunday that believes the Bible, that's going to celebrate the resurrection because it's the most important thing that's ever happened. Because he lives, we shall live also, right? God bless you. Remember, conviction for truth, compassion for people.